the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In public speaking, they tell you that you'll always want to tailor the message to the audience. That's precisely what Jesus does here in the book of Luke. Join us as we take a look at the audience Jesus speaks to the most. That's next on Abounding Grace. If you were to speak to a group of carpenters, you wouldn't use medical terms, nor would you use carpentry terms for a group of medical students. You always have to tailor your message to the audience. Now, that's precisely what Jesus does, beginning here in Luke chapter 5. Welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Beginning in chapter 5, Luke addresses or introduces to us the Pharisees and the scribes and their hostility towards Christ. And it's here that Jesus starts speaking directly to them. Once we understand who his audience is, it gives us a clear picture of just precisely what he's saying. And that's what we're focusing on today. We'll also take a look at the power of the Lord that was present for him to begin performing miracles, healings. Join us for an encouraging look at the ministry of Christ here today on Abounding Grace. Once again, Pastor Gary Wagner. So let's do a very quick study of the idea of power, the power of God. First of all, in the Old Testament. One of the things that stands out in the Old Testament is the dramatic claim that the only power in the universe is the power of Jehovah and all other claims to power are illusionary. There is no other power in the universe except the power that originates with our God in Jesus. That's it, beloved. And any other group or institution or movement, human or satanic, that claims power has an illusionary power. And that illusion will be overcome and discredited by God's power that is to be found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to Psalm 6211. God has spoken once. Twice I have heard this, that power belongeth unto God. The only power there is belongs to God. And he has displayed this power, this omnipotence, this unlimited power in a variety of ways. But the supreme display of God's power in the Old Testament is in the Exodus. When God displayed his power to set his people free from Egyptian bondage. Saved them from the Red Sea. Brought the plagues and constituted Israel as his people. Look at Exodus 9.13. This is one of several passages we could look at to show the great display of God's power in the Old Testament. The redemption of God's people from slavery and their constitution as the people of God. Exodus 9. We'll read verses 13 through 16. 
Exodus nine thirteen through 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thy heart and upon thy servants and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I will stretch out my hand, that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in every deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. That my name may be declared throughout all the earth means to increase my reputation through all the earth. Pharaoh, do you know why you're still in a place of authority? Do you know why you did not give in to Moses the first time he asked you to let my people go? It was because I hardened your heart. It's because I wanted you in the position that you were in. I wanted you to reject him time and again to give me room through the miraculous plagues to demonstrate my power in you and upon you. So from that moment on, throughout all generations, my reputation would be increased as the great God of omnipotence, of unlimited power. So the Exodus was the supreme display of God's power in the Old Testament. And as a result of it, it was at the heart of Old Testament faith, and it was at the heart of Old Testament worship. The fact that God displayed his unlimited power in the redemption of his people was something that he demanded to be declared and preached to all the nations. And Israel took this practically. They understood that in all their times of need, they could confidently seek further manifestations of God's power in their lives to discipline them and to rescue them and to exalt them over their enemies. The question is, do you, beloved? The Old Testament tells that that the same divine power that created the universe molds history, holds the world together, sustains the people of God, causes everything to happen that happens. That divine power controls everything that happens, and therefore we the people of God can say, as Psalm 46 says, with surety, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And though everything else may fall apart, I am safe and secure because the Lord that I worship and that loves me is a God of omnipotence. He's a God of unlimited power. Now understand when the Old Testament speaks of the power of God, it's not speaking of something capricious or irrational or impulsive or arbitrary. The power of God is that by which he expresses his will and carries out his desires, and that is always in conformity with his righteous character. Then when we come to the New Testament, we must understand what the Old Testament said about the power of God. Because then we shall see the power of God manifested in the life of Christ. 
Our text says the power of Jehovah. The same power that we read about in the Old Testament was present with Jesus for him to heal. And in the life of Jesus, you see that he is the bearer of the Holy Spirit, who is the great agent of divine power. Because the Holy Spirit came to Jesus at his baptism, he was able to perform powerful works throughout his ministry. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He saved the sinners. He judged rebels. He calmed the seas. The presence of the power of the Spirit on his life meant that he was able to bring complete healing to the whole person. Now understand about the paralytic that was let down through the roof. When you hear about him being healed, don't ever interpret that simply as a physical phenomenon. This man receives complete healing. His body was cured and his soul was saved. His sins were forgiven. The Lord Jesus Christ has been given the power of the triune God, by which the universe was created and by which history is sustained, which was exhibited supremely in the Exodus and now in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, by the Holy Spirit, has received the power of God so that you and I, who have been broken and ravaged by sin, can receive complete healing of our whole person inside and out. Not only is the bearer of the Holy Spirit, he is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that baptizes his, father, his followers with the Holy Spirit and anoints them with his power. Now what is the great display of the power of the Lord in the New Testament? What is it in the New Testament that focuses on as, as it focuses on as the greatest display of the power of the Lord since the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? It is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. The first chapters of Ephesians tell us that the greatness of God's power was supremely displayed when God raised Jesus from the dead and from the power of death and exalted him to his right hand. And in the risen Christ, the power of God works victoriously in history and in our individual lives to bring our lives and the history of the world to their appointed goal. With the power of God, Christ from the right hand of God rules over all the world and governs everything that happens in your life, good and bad. So that God can be praised through everything that happens to you. And so you, as a Christian, can benefit from everything that he brings into your life. And someday, at the end of history, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to earth one last time, physically and literally, there will be a consummate display of God's divine power. The likes of which history has never seen before. Now, one of the emphasis of God's power, God's word concerning the power of Christ is the power of Christ in our everyday life. This power that belongs only to Jehovah, by which he created the world and sustains it, by which he redeems his people, 
by which he causes and controls everything. This great power that was manifested by the Spirit and the life of Jesus. The power of the Lord to heal that was displayed supremely in his resurrection and consummately at his second coming is a power that is brought into our life as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and it is brought into our lives through the preaching of the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 1.8 says that the preaching of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to those who are saved is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The Lord Jesus Christ carries on His powerful ministry of transforming people's lives and empowering people's lives through the faithful preaching of the Word of God. And therefore, when you put anything else above it, and when you find any excuse to stay away from the preaching of it, you cut yourself off from the power of God and you say, I choose to live in powerlessness rather than in the light of God's power. How easy is it for you in your life to keep you from church? How easy is it to keep you away from the worship of God and the preaching of His Word? You get an opportunity to visit family and friends on Sunday. Hey, that sounds like fun. We can go to church on another day, next Sabbath. You have an opportunity to make a little more money or please a client. Hey, this only happens once in a while. After all, it's my livelihood. We can go to church another day. How easy is it for things to keep you away from the preaching of the Word of God? Oh, I have a headache today. I'm just too exhausted from all the week's work. It is the preaching of the Word of God that is the instrument through which the power of the Lord comes into our lives. Beloved, how can we ever neglect it? Whenever we let anything, be it pleasure or be it money, stand between us and the confrontation of God as He comes to us in His Word, we are saying at that point, God, I really don't need you that badly. I choose to fulfill my own will and live by my own power rather than by the power of the Lord. The Bible says Christ equips the believer with His power. And what is that power? It's not some icy, cold, intangible thing. It's the power of Christ's own presence in your life by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says that He gives us His power so that we are able to handle wisely all the choices that we have to make in life, and we are able to keep on believing when it's difficult to believe, and we're able to persevere and be patient when we're being persecuted for righteousness' sake, and when we're able to live our lives more and more into the conformity with the Word of God, what is that power? You've got to have that power of God to accomplish these things. Is it some intangible thing that God just portions out on His people? No. The power of God is the presence of Christ. There is where the power of God is located. Christ is the power of God incarnate. So now when God says He equips you with His power, He's talking about bringing Christ into your life. One of the greatest preachers that ever lived since the New Testament times was George Whitfield, 
who preached all over the eastern seaboard of the United States and led thousands of people to Christ in the 1700s. He was converted as a young man by reading a book, and the title of that book was, which I recommend to you, is The Life of God in the Soul of Man. There is the source of a Christian's power. When God says that he pours into your life by which you give, you live righteously and victoriously. He is talking about the presence of Jesus Christ that he brings into your life. That's your redemption. And whenever you hear his word preached. And if Christ is present in your life by the Holy Spirit, then that means he will continually strengthen you for service to him for your repentance, for your obedience, and for your faith. And you'll be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who empowers me. And the more His presence empowers me, the more motivated I am, the more encouraged I am to be faithful, the more enabled I am to live a life consistent with His Word, the greater the support I feel when I face the pressures of life, the more enlightened I am to live by wisdom. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Here's a great statement about the power of God in the life of the Christian. Ephesians 3.14 This is a prayer of Paul's. And notice what he prays for. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened in his might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Lord, may they know your power. May they experience the greatness of your power and be strengthened by that power which only the Spirit can give in their inner life. Beloved, that power is nothing other than the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ with passes which passeth knowledge that he might be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul is praying, Lord, may these Christians know your power in their lives by knowing the presence of Christ in their lives. And as they are empowered by the presence of Christ, may their appreciation of and adoration for the love of Christ for them increase. And the more it increases, may they be more motivated to serve you. So here the Lord Jesus Christ is said to be the one who empowers us with his presence so that we can live patient persevering, faithful lives in this world. And because that is true, like Paul, Christians are continually praying that they may enjoy and experience more of God's power and more of Christ's presence. In fact, the experience of the power of God in Paul's life meant more to him than anything else in the world. And he was willing to count everything else as waste compared to knowing the power of God in his life. Turn to Philippians 3 as we close to what should be a very familiar passage. 
In the first six verses of chapter 3, Paul is recounting all of his accomplishments in the world. That everyone considers wonderful and important and profitable and of great value. But notice Paul's assessment of all his accomplishment that everyone else considers success. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. But what things were to gain to me, those I counted loss for Christ? Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul says, I have all these achievements that, my, that any successful man wants and strives for. Everything the world sees as important, I have accomplished in my life. I have acquired wealth. I have acquired a good reputation. I have acquired prestige. I've acquired religiosity. Everything everyone looked up to me for because of my success. But compared to knowing Christ, these things mean nothing. I'm willing to give them all up just for the privilege of knowing Jesus personally and experiencing the power of his resurrection. Now let me ask you, beloved, and I want you to honestly answer this question because your eternal salvation is dependent upon your answer. What is it that you want in your life more than to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection? What is it you are spending most of your time and effort and energy in trying to obtain for yourself in this life? What is it that consumes your whole inner life so that it is all you think about and live for? What is it that you desire in your life with such a great intensity that you are willing to sacrifice everything else to reach that goal and which you desire more than Christ and the power of the resurrection? Is it popularity? Is it friends? A good position at work? Wealth? A name for yourself? Are you willing to do anything and give up anything to have people like you or to gain ease and influence? What is the goal of your life? To retire and travel and just do the things that you think are fun? What is the drive and the passion of your life? What is the great love of your life? What is it that you love with all of your heart That you're willing to sacrifice everything else for the sake of it. Money, popularity, ease. Or is it to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection? Whatever you desire, with a greater intensity than knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection, is the God you serve. And you may make all kinds of pretty little confessions. Oh, I love you, Jesus. 
You alone are my Lord and my King. Oh, how I love you alone, Jesus. But they mean nothing if the driving passion of your life is anything other than knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. Humble yourself and seek the triune God with all your heart, soul, mind, and energy. Live and study to make him the absolute center of your life and glorify in him the focus of your being. For beloved he, the creator of all there is, came down from his heavenly throne to suffer a humiliating life and an excruciating death so that you might be free from the sin that put him on the cross and so you might live in eternity in his glory. That is the power of the resurrection. Live in it. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 40 Four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.